Well, good morning, ladies. Good morning. I'm Bernadette, as Sue said. So I'm hoping to pack a lot in in the 15 minutes. And if you all get up and walk out, I know I've overdone it. So. <laughs> but I hope you won't do that. But pretty much, actually, the flow of it already has been about love. And that lovely word that Doreen brought, that scripture, I mean, that was beautiful. And I just thought, yeah, you've laid the foundation already, Lord. Um, so I just want to talk about love. And really, what is love? Is it a thing? Is it a feeling? Is it a kind of force? Is it Hollywood, flutters and butterflies? I'll leave it with you. Who is love? Well, the Bible said God is love. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, it says God is love. And it's not only an attribute of God, but it's his very nature. God is love. Love is God's idea. Nobody created love, but God is love. So the Bible's the place to look if you want to find out about love. It surpasses all powers of understanding. His love is everlasting. It's free. It's sacrificial. It's enduring to the end. And in 1 Corinthians it said, love never fails. There's lots of words for love. There's filio love, there's eros love, there's agapeo, there's agape, there's all sorts of words. But today I want to focus on filio love, which is a sort of brotherly love, a friendly love. To be a friend to or fond of an individual or object. Have affection for, denoting personal attachment as a matter of sentiment or feeling. That's Strong's, that's not my words. So it's filio love, brotherly love, is based on emotions and feelings. But then we've got the, the other main love, which actually really only appears in the New Testament, not really in any other Greek documents or anything. Agape, or some people say agape, but I'm going to say agape. And that's the God kind of love. Uh, and it's a choice, an act of your will, your decision. Agape love, God's love, is unconditional. It's not expecting anything back. It's given to the whole world, not just believers. And in Romans 5, chapter 8, it says, While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God's love is sacrificial. John 3.16, he sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to die for all the world and save them from their sins. It's not a picky love, it's a love for everyone. It's undefeatable. Jesus died, but he rose again. The devil couldn't defeat him, could not bring defeat. And 1 Corinthians 13, as I said, says love never fails. That's a big thing if you think about it. Love never fails. You're looking for a way out. You're looking how to do things. Love never fails. It's benevolent. It always seeks the highest good for the other person, no matter what he does or what you consider his worth to be. That's a biggie, isn't it? <laughs> a real biggie, that one. Uh, Jesus is God's example of how he loves his son and how he wants us to be with one another. Love one another, Jesus said, by this the world will know that you are my disciples. 
if you love one another with this agape, unconditional love. In John 5, it says, The Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father doing. For what the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he does, and he will show him greater things. And we know that Jesus was always in touch with the Father. He was always connected. He never just went off on one and did something. He was connected with the Father. And the Father would uh, tell him what to do, show him what to do. And I looked in John chapter 15 where it talks about the vine. And Jesus was connected to the Father. And we are... Of ourselves, we can do nothing, so we must stay connected. We must stay in the vine. In other words, we must stay rooted and grafted into God, into Jesus. If Jesus had to stay grafted into God and in connection with God, you can bet yourselves that we need to be. So we need to stay grafted so that we know what God wants us to do. Jesus said, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Rest in my love. Now, surely, uh, if we're to do what Jesus did and greater things, it will be because the Father loves us. He could do things because the Father loved him. And Jesus rested in the Father's love and he let it flow through him. Now, I want us to think about John. Because in the Bible, John says, he talks about himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And John uses that phrase five times in his gospel. And five is the number of grace. And it is grace to know that. It's grace that Jesus loves us. Now, he wasn't swanking and he wasn't trying to prove himself. But I believe that John had had a revelation. Any one of those disciples could have said, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. But they didn't. But John did. He got hold of something and he had a revelation. And when you look at the Last Supper, John was resting on Jesus' heart. He said he was resting on Jesus' bosom, his heart. He was close to Jesus' heart. He was resting. Now, at the cross, John was the only one there at the cross. All the others had scarpered. He was the only one. And it was to, to Mary that Jesus said, Woman, behold your son. What a closeness there was between John and Jesus. Such a closeness that Jesus would say that, Woman, behold your son. I don't sense that John was sort of, oh, look at me. He'd just got that revelation of, 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 of Jesus. Now, Jesus said, abide in me. And John was obviously listening at that point and took that. Yeah, okay, I will abide in, in Christ. So John actually showed obedience to Jesus' words because Jesus said, abide in my love. And he did abide in his love and he was at rest. But now let's look at Peter, dear old Peter. Peter was very vocal. Peter was trying to prove he loved God. He said, no, Lord, you will not wash my feet. No, no, Lord, I won't let you go. 
No, Lord, I'll never deny you, even if all the others do, even if I have to die with you. And what Peter was saying, look at me, I love Jesus. I'm making all these promises. Look, are you looking at me? I'm not going to let him die. I'm going to die with him if that has to be the case. He was very, very vocal. But he was striving. I sense a real striving with, with Peter. Now, God wants us to be real. Name of the conference, real. And today we've already been rather real, haven't we? You know, Lou shared her heart. Very real. But what's the point of being any other way, really? You know, it doesn't get us anywhere. God wants us to be real. And, and after Jesus died and, and rose again, he was cooking breakfast on the beach and, and the boys were out fishing. And they came in and Jesus got supper ready for them. Uh, not supper, breakfast, ready for them on the beach. And then he talks to, to uh, Peter. And in John uh, 21, 15 to 17, we can read all about this. And um, Jesus said to Peter, uh, Do you love me more than these? And Peter said, uh, You know I love you. Now, what was really going on was Jesus was saying to Peter, do you filio love me? Do you sacrificially love me? Do you unconditionally love me? And Peter said, you know I love you. But he was saying, Lord, I, I brotherly love you. I'm tender-hearted toward you, but I brotherly love you. He couldn't say anything else, could he? He ran away, he denied him three times. Jesus brought him to a point of reality where he realised, actually, all that I said, it was words. I, I didn't unconditionally love Jesus. So Jesus asked him again, Peter, son of, uh, Simon Peter, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said, do you filio love, uh, do you um, agape love me? Do you unconditionally love me? And Peter said, Lord, you know I brotherly love you. And then Jesus asked again. Now, if we think he denied Jesus three times, Jesus given him three sort of chances, as it were, of reconciliation. So Jesus asked again, Peter, do you agape love me? Do you unconditionally love me? And Peter said, Lord, you know all things. You know I brotherly love you. And it said Peter was upset that Jesus asked him a third time, do you agape love me? But see, what Jesus was doing, he brought him into the real world. He brought him into reality. And Jesus said the first time, feed my lambs. Second time, tend my sheep. The third time, feed my sheep. And what I felt the Lord was saying to me about this Pretty much most of us can feed lambs. We can look after sheep. But to feed sheep, as in the body of Christ, you've got to be real. You can't get far on pretend. <coughs> you've got to know what your weaknesses are. You've got to know what your strongholds are. And you've got to be real. Because people suss you out like a flash if you're pretending. So to feed the sheep, which he eventually said to Peter, was the fact, yeah, now you're being real. Now you can 
feed the sheep. So I thought that was rather interesting. Now, where does that leave us? In Romans 5 it says, The love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Hope does not disappoint. So he's saying that we have that love. We've all got that agape love that Jesus so wanted from Peter. We have got that. It's been put in us by the Holy Spirit. And the fruit of God in our life is love. Love is one of the fruits, isn't it? Galatians 5.22. So also it says, faith worketh through love. And as we abide in the love of Jesus and the love of the Father, then that love will flow through us and enable us to just to bring life to people, life in this world, just like Jesus did. Now here's the thing. Can love overcome hate? A lot of hate in the world at the moment. Can love overcome hate? 